No my hide Mike, Itene Hortaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Today, cricket goes free to air in New Zealand. Spark is to drop sports streaming and TVNZ gets the cricket. We talk to the voice of New Zealand cricket, Brian Waddle, today. Uh, that's just after four. Employers are turning to new incentives and added benefits to attract candidates. We talk about that today. And New Zealanders think that the marine environmental health is improving, but it's not. It's declining. We talk about that on the show. And ACC tells us how people are hurting themselves this season. Apparently, people are dropping frozen Christmas hams on their feet. And this caused a heck of a discussion this morning in the office. Should you have to pay for your own Christmas party? Uh, Did you know that radiologists and teachers, some of them have to pay for their own party, said an email to me, quoting, my flatmate is a radiologist at Norton Hospital, $40 a head. So is a Christmas party taxpayer money well spent or is it a, a needless waste of resources. You can text me 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Julia Hartley Moore from Julia Hartley Moore Limited, a private investigation firm. Julia, beaming in via Zoom. Kia ora. Hey, Kia ora. How are you? I'm excellent. And you? Good. I'm very well. And Chris Bukaida, director of PR company BRG, former journalist. Chris, welcome. Kia ora. Kia ora, kia ora. Now, to this, let's open the Friday mailbag. And I guess we had the biggest response to this of any uh, any news item or any item at all. MIQ system was heartless, the chief ombudsman said. Uh, Peter Boschia saying, we ended up with a lottery, a system that did not allow for the consideration and prioritisation of individual circumstances of people trying to come home during the COVID pandemic. Uh, just a few here. Uh, Claire says, my daughter, husband and son moved permanently in late 2020 from Melbourne. They found MIQ amazing, a great hotel, food and service uh, so no complaints there. We had a Vaughn on the program and she was deeply upset because her son was in limbo trying to get home for 18 months and ran out of money overseas. It was a debacle, so she wasn't happy. Uh, another one says, Wallace, my nephew and girlfriend returned twice during COVID. They had a few dramas on return flights, but seems some people were lucky or unlucky. But at the end of the day, we are safe. And for those who missed out, not too high a price I think. I don't know, did any of you on the panel have experiences in MIQ or thoughts on this? What about you, Julia? No, well, I did. I I haven't had any experience um, because obviously I'm immunocompromised, so I didn't travel and I wasn't coming back from anywhere. Um, But I've heard, heard, you know, pros and cons and and people that have had good experiences, bad experiences. So it's it's sort of a bit of a balance, but it is... It was a, look, it was a difficult time and a time that none of us were ever prepared for anyway. Indeed, Chris? I had no, no experience of it personally. I had a trip, I was supposed to be going to Africa, um, and that got cancelled just you know, days, weeks. Well, it was only about 10 days, two weeks before the first lockdowns um, happened. So that I almost could have got caught up in it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, same, as, same as everybody else, hear people with you know, good stories, bad stories. And I guess, Chris, it comes back to that balance. Huh? I mean, the chief ombudsman did say uh, it was a lottery and it was heartless. So you have these cases. I mean, some of them 
were awful. But uh, I, I fin- think, and hindsight's always a wonderful thing to have, yeah. and you know you can um, you can be very wise with hindsight. Is what concerned me is there seemed to be a lack of discretion, and that's one thing which. Uh, you really do need in something like this. When you've got a situation where a case doesn't fit the rules as they've been set, someone has to have the ability, and to be blunt, has to have the balls to be able to say, I am making an exception for this person or this family for these reasons. Um, and I think that's something that we, we seem to have lost uh, in in a lot of spheres. Yeah. I think you see it with with the, the, the police and the courts, a lot of things... I think where there previously would have been discretion about whether the police might or might not have charged something, it goes, we'll charge and we'll leave it to the courts to decide because of the amount of public scrutiny there is on things. I had a situation where a friend of mine was going to potentially lose their job um, because of COVID overseas. And if they lost their job, they lost their um, legal ability for residence in that country. And they were told, well, you've still got to go into the lottery. Well, they were going to get booted out of the country they were in because their job oh, had gosh. disappeared. Uh, and then go where to join the lottery? And MFAT said, well, you might have to go to somewhere you can go, like, like Great Britain, which was oh. just an absolute COVID disaster zone at the time. So things like that, if you become stateless, uh, it makes sense that there'd be some discretion to let you say, come home. Yeah. Also, this week we talked about life jackets uh, on boats. There's a call by Water Safety NZ to make them mandatory. Many might think, why are they not? But uh, Water Safety NZ have been talking about this since around 2010 for years. Um, Someone says it should be mandatory for all boat skippers to do a day skipper's course at the minimum, similar to Australia. Contrary to the last text, many people have no idea of the risks and mitigation at sea. Wallace says someone here, you do not even have to have any form of licence to operate a pleasure vessel in our crowded harbours, dangerous coast, etc. We need licensing and registration of vessels. And another one, it's still not illegal to drink and drive a boat. So, yep, we might come back to the boat laws uh, next week, but um, what's what's your general sense on this, Julia? Do you think it makes sense to um, put on a life jacket whenever you go? Oh, out? come on, absolutely! I mean, crikey, I grew up on the water, and oh, did I you? went and well, pretty much, mm. maybe maybe lakes rather than the ocean, but anyway. Um, but you know, I I cycle around the Maritai path, and there's you know the, I stop at the at where the boats are all coming and going out, and I'm quite impressed, I have to say, okay, because I make I count how many people have got life jackets on, so I'm, I'm and pretty much most of them do have. Oh. I didn't know it wasn't mandatory. I re, I think it, obviously it should be. I had no idea you could drink and, and be in charge of a boat. I mean, what's the difference <laughs> between that and the car? Because the Clearly. the, the well, uh, yeah, it is. We'll, we'll come back to this, Chris. Because you know yeah. the harbours can be quite Watamata Harbour on a glistening sunny uh, Auckland day, for example. Um, you know a lot of traffic there. But did you know this that uh, life jackets are not like your seatbelt in a car, made to wear that? Oh yeah, I did know that, uh, and I used to say that I don't need to wear a life jacket in a boat because I was a very very good swimmer, um, and very confident in the water. Um, but what I was taught was. It's not how good a swimmer you are, it's what condition you are in when you hit the water. 
if something goes wrong in the boat, if you've hit your head or um, you know, you, you're ill or and you've fallen over, you may not be in a situation where you are able to employ your very good swimming skills and you therefore drown. Mm. Um, so I, I change my tune on that and I always wear one. You don't have to dig very far into YouTube to see um, lots of videos of people doing dumb things in boats. Yes. Uh, so yeah. some, some basic... Um, like that skip a day course, I think, is a really good idea. Yeah. We also discussed age gaps between in relationships because Sally Wenley on the program uh, yesterday, she was uh, fairly honest about her personal life. She said she is in a 20-year age gap relationship, and that brought up a big response. She says she's loving it, uh, and there's nothing wrong uh, about that, but she always gets comments about it. Peter writes, interesting your comments on age gap relationships and plan to address this. Age gap relationships are quite common in the gay world. I am in one. One of the issues is that prejudice against such relationships is just a further expression of homophobia, or more accurately, heterosexist prejudice. Jenny says... My husband uh, was 19 years older than me. We had intelligent conversations. He was very witty, always planning the next project. He had his own interests, heavily involved in rowing. Uh, And quite frankly, when I first met him, I had more interesting conversations than I could with men of my own age who seemed juvenile in comparison. Around the panel on this one, anything to add, Julia? Well, as you know, I've had a few marriages. um, and I didn't know that, no. Well, I have. And I have always had large age gaps in my relationships. I don't know why that is. Either I've been the the older person or I've been the younger person. Um, And I think, you know, people, what gets to me is it's sort of okay if the guy is older, you know, but when the woman is, it you know, there's always crikey, what's he going to, you know, how's that going to work? How's that going to last? Um, again, it's this thing we have in New Zealand about ageism. You go to Europe and over over there, look, I'm nearly 69 and I get hit on when I go over there by younger guys because it's just a thing that they do. I mean, look at Emmanuel Macron and Brigitte. There's a 25-year age gap there, and that happened when they were when he was 15. So th- there's longevity in these relationships. Plus, I agree with that that person that that that, that um, was talking about the age gap. When my husband was 18 years my senior, and that was amazing. I was in my 20s, and what an interesting person he was really? to get. Yeah, totally. And also had charisma and power and nothing guys my age had. I mean, just seriously. Hmm. But, you know, when I got to 40, she changed. She tipped. The balance tipped. That is, uh, thank you for your uh, honesty there, uh, Julia, and a lot of people are appreciating this, actually. Um, Ian, uh, the age gap, uh, Chris, anything to add to that? It all comes down to the two people. And if it works for them and um, it's happy and But there's... does it though? Because, you know, let's be honest, you know, if yeah. you if you are if I if I'm a lot older and I'm stuck in the ways of listening to Pat Boone, uh, and I've got a, a younger partner who's in the ways of listening to nineties hip hop, you know, there are there are cultural differences. There there are there are conversations you just can't have. So Oh no you can. I disagree with that. Sorry. You talk about other things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there are so many other things. You know? 
It's not about what? you and your dip music. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it all comes down to the two people, and if they're, if they're happy, if, you know, it's like a Venn diagram. The circles might intersect a little <laughs> bit, and they're both happy, or they intersect a lot and cover a lot. It's just down to the two individuals. And if it works and there's a, there's a quality and equity in there, there's not you know a supreme power gap of, of some sort, yeah. all good. It's quite riveting, actually. Julia, anything more to add while we're on it? So the Julian does go on to say that sadly he passed away last year after 43 years together. And that is the downside of the age gap. The older person usually yeah. dies long before the partner. Yeah, well, potentially, but that's still 43, what sounds like 43 yeah. very, very good years that that person exactly. wouldn't have had if they'd gone, oh, no, I can't be with you because you're a bit old, <laughs> chap. That's exactly right. Look, I, my ex-husband is 85, 86, and he's a great mate of mine. And believe it or not, before the pandemic, twice we went to the Middle East. My husband, my ex-husband, and myself and my youngest daughter all went to the Middle East and went, wow. pheasant, shooting, and went pheasant shooting in France because he's an avid you know, game shooter. Um, and, you know, he is, we're, we're all great mates. And, that's, it, and it's so interesting even now having that relationship with someone of that generation. Extraordinary, no, going, pheasant, going pheasant shooting with your 85-year-old ex-husband. Uh, wonderful. Now, so you've mentioned on that you are uh, 69, Julia. Uh, can I ask you then? Nearly, nearly, coming up from February, nearly, wow. but getting close. I'm well, getting used to it. Can I, well, I'm just going to say I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even put you at fifteen. Um, uh, what what, oh, what what age is what age is what age is your partner? As Steve is uh, four years younger than me. Yeah, good on yeah, you. Yeah, but that's that a small age gap compared to what I've norm. You know, I've normally gone with the big ones. Okay, both ways. Very yep. interesting. Very interesting indeed. Well, uh, we have run out of time for I've been thinking. We will stick that in both. Uh, we are with uh, Chris Wikaida uh, and uh, Julia Hartley Moore today. It's Friday afternoon. It is Power Ballad Friday. Do stay with us. Lots to discuss this afternoon on the panel.